Hi again, everybody. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report podcast series presented by SeatGeek. I'm Sean Kelly. Great to be with you here midweek. It's a strange week because really it's Saturday on the football calendar for those of us in Saints world. Football game, as you might expect, is tomorrow night, Thursday night, as we're recording today on this Wednesday. Cowboys and Saints should be a real good one. Two division leaders, Cowboys 6-5, and five, winners of three straight, and of course the New Orleans Saints rolling at 10 in a row right now and uh, trying to extend it to 11 before getting the mini buy and jumping back into the division next week. Pelicans, uh, in meantime, at home on this Wednesday night, again, recording on Wednesday, they'll take on the Wizards and have got to get back on track. Four straight losses for the uh, good guys, uh, and then they'll hit the road. Uh, we'll be um, bouncing around a little bit. Miami on uh, Friday, and then Charlotte on Sunday, but then back home all next week, and uh, we'll talk a little Pels next week as they – have a homestand. It's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, isn't it, Daniel Sallerson? Yes. Daniel's with me here in Studio B today where we're uh, broadcasting, podcasting from today. And um, I'm going to have a little fun with our guest. He's he's one of my favorites. He's a great friend. Ian Eagle is with us today. Um, I, he's one of the guys that I can have a little fun with. So since, uh, since it is the Cowboys, and as you all know, the national following of the Cowboys, and sometimes it's a little dramatic and a little exaggerated and all that, We'll bring him on in a unique way. We'll see how the bird uh, does with that. But Ian Eagle is the uh, play-by-play man for Westwood One's national radio broadcast of the Saints-Cowboys game, and uh, we'll look forward to getting his insight. Love to have someone maybe just just outside of the Saints circle here to give us some analysis on this, a little more objective because – as you probably can figure out, I'm not real objective right now when it comes to the Saints. I'm all in on this, and uh, and I'm up to my neck in it. And so sometimes you have to have somebody help you see it for what it maybe really is or give you another take on things. Uh, I certainly want to do that kind of with the MVP question because it's hot and heavy. Uh, it's obviously come out this week that Drew Brees is going to be on the upcoming cover of Sports Illustrated. So we'll talk MVP with Ian as well. I think he'll give us a real honest answer on that, and that will help a lot of us. And I think it will also help us not only set up the Cowboys game on Thursday night, but also maybe kind of the stretch here for teams like the Saints. And I'm referring to kind of the Chiefs and the Rams and the others that are now fighting for those top seeds in in either conference. So good stuff today. Ian always has great insight. Um, Sometimes I wish I could play for you the conversation that we have um, off of the tape that would be a good podcast down the road daniel's nodding his head he's already smiling ear to ear he knows some of the things that were discussed today off tape but with that we'll take a quick uh, moment here to gather ourselves and get the tape ready to go on the machine see i'm dating myself the tape on the machine here for our visit this week on the black and blue report with cbs and westwood one nfl play-by-play man ian eagle this is the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. Here's Sean Kelly. All right, everybody, welcome in. It is the Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report podcast. As uh, most of you all know, I get one guest a week, and so I do my best to try and match up the right guests with the right moments. Um, and so this week, with the Saints playing the Cowboys, I wanted to find the, the most overrated, exaggerated, um, wildly popular um, America's team slash America's broadcaster I could think of. Joe Buck went to a rival high school, so no on Joe. So welcome in, Ian Eagle, everybody. 
<laughs> Second choice, just like my wife. Not a problem. <laughs> I figured you'd also like the uh, the overrated, exaggerated, uh, blown up America's yeah. team reference there for you, sir. Exactly, exactly. Very excited about this game, as I'm sure everybody in New Orleans is. Uh, not just from the Saints' point of view, but to see where the Cowboys are. This is truly a measuring stick, litmus test game for a team that's been hot, three straight wins, that's changed its offense a bit, made adjustments with Amari Cooper coming on board, getting back to what they do with Ezekiel Elliott, and a defense that I think has gone a little bit under the radar. You look at the rankings, you look at their playmakers, Dallas has been very good on that side of the ball. That's been fairly consistent for them. I, you know, it's funny. I made a little fun of the Cowboys there because of their, I guess, you know, past. Um, but shoot three in a row here, Ian, and and you're right about their team. It's a changed. It's evolved at this stage of the season. Can you put your finger on one or two things as to why it's made a significant step? Well, I mean, the two things, one, Ezekiel Elliott is playing like the guy that we saw in his rookie year out of Ohio State. He's gotten himself into the MVP conversation. He won't win it, but he's now mentioned in that group with Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes and Phillip Rivers and a couple others here and there. Elliott has gotten his name in the chatter. And I do think the Cooper acquisition changed things a bit. It, it's given them a catch-and-run threat. It's given them a dynamic pass receiver that while he has not been as good as he was during his two Pro Bowl seasons, he's what they needed. Dallas needed a bona fide outside target that you would have to draw attention to as a defense. I think it's helped Prescott a great deal. Prescott has looked more in command. He's a good quarterback. Uh, Dak is someone that came through as a rookie similar to Elliott, maybe took a step back in year two. A lot of pressure with that position in that town for that team, for that owner. And he handles it. He's got a real calm demeanor to him. I think he's a good decision maker. And you're starting to see his maturity and evolution pop through the screen when you watch them. The last three games, they've been fun. They're an entertaining team. And obviously they're going against the machine right now with New Orleans, but they are a confident group. Elliott's in the in not only an elite running back, but he is near the top of their receiving core. Dak Prescott's a quarterback, but yet I think Ian, if I'm not mistaken, he's their second leading rusher. He is. Does that work in this situation? Normally, I think I'd see that and say mm, something's wrong here, but in this case, is that the right place for those guys? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of inequity because they just didn't have dynamic playmakers on the outside. Prior to the Cooper trade, you just didn't have the pieces in place, so they had to make do with what they had, and I think the numbers are skewed because of it. If you look over the last three games and you look ahead now to the final stretch of the season, I do think you'll start to see more of a balance. That doesn't mean that Rod Smith is going to start getting more carries and emerge as the number two running back. Uh, eventually, they are going to have to lighten the load for Elliott. He's getting 27 touches per game over this recent stretch. That's a lot. And in this modern NFL, that might be asking a little too much in order to avoid the mileage 
that will affect him down the road. Now, they're going to run him hard. We know last year he played a limited schedule because of the suspension. Uh, I I just think that at this stage of the game with Dallas, they're still trying to figure it out. But in the process of figuring it out and determining what their identity is, they have found some things. And offensively, the offensive line has looked much more cohesive uh, despite the fact they're not whole and they're still missing a big piece in Travis Frederick. This group's been better, and they're starting to live up to the preseason billing as one of the best units in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, indeed. Ian, when the Saints have the football, what should Saints fans feel good about, other than the obvious, against Dallas's defense? And what should Dallas fans feel about their defense up against Drew Brees' unit? Yeah, what strikes me, and you see it on an every-week basis, is the pick-your-poison mentality. Look, the way this team has been constructed is almost a, a clinic on how to do it, meshing young players with veterans, some key free agent signings when necessary, even a Benjamin Watson uh, that maybe didn't get a whole lot of attention. But his savviness, his experience, the fact that he was familiar with Breeze, the fact that there was already chemistry, that to me was a brilliant move. Uh, they could have gone in a number of different directions, but they went with the guy that made the most sense for them. And it was a modest deal. It's a one-year, $2 million deal. It could be his last year in the NFL before he goes on and does something big in his life, whether it's broadcasting or business or something football-related. Uh, he's the kind of guy that you want in your locker room. The fact that it got so much attention last week, Sean, uh, maybe it brought it to the forefront, but anyone that's been following the Saints this year knows that it could come from any direction. Yes, it was undrafted free agents last week that caught the touchdown, and Dan Arnold uh, getting an opportunity, and Keith Kirkwood in the mix, and Tommy Lee Lewis back from injury. But to me, that's that's been part of their story all year. They don't rely on any one guy. Uh, they truly game plan week in and week out. And Breeze is having the MVP season that so many of us just assumed he had already had in his career. But you have to look up his bio to remind yourself, no, he's never won an NFL MVP award for a regular season. Well, he's a front runner to do it now. Uh, he's been nearly flawless throughout the season. And the fact that defensively, they can compete at the level that they've competed this year. To me, that might be the separator between what's considered the upper echelon of the NFL, the Rams, the Chiefs, the Saints. Those three teams, which one would you go to battle with right now with the defense that they currently have? The potential of the Rams, maybe. The Chiefs, not so much. There's still holes there. And the Saints, pound for pound, have been the more consistent defensive unit. The question is whether or not that's going to hold up in January and, dare I say, into February. The nationwide radio audience that you'll have tomorrow night, Ian, how will you welcome them into the broadcast? What what do you want to frame up first? Well, I think the first storyline is just how potent this New Orleans team has been. Uh, the fact that Breeze is doing what he's doing at the age of 39. Uh, doing it at a level that we've seen not not only no drop-off, if anything, improvement. That's scary to say for a first ballot Hall of Famer, for an 11-time Pro Bowler, for an NFL record holder. 
the fact that he is playing at this level. I've been through this before. I've been down this road with Tom Brady uh, where you run out of superlatives. Drew Brees is now at that stage, and I think the national radio audience, it has to be put into context what he has accomplished this year. Uh, beyond that for New Orleans, it's the versatility on offense. It's the creativity and the fact that week in and week out you're seeing something special from this team. They look like a juggernaut, but now we creep into December, and that's truly when Sean Payton and company will be judged. So all of the, the superlatives that we've thrown out for New Orleans up until this point, uh, we know that without a, a title, without a championship, it's, it's going to feel like a little bit of an empty season. So this final stretch, that becomes uh, the big narrative for the NFL. For Dallas, it's the fact that they've turned their season around. And let's face it, uh, the fact that uh, they seem to do it under soap opera and dramatic circumstances is amazing to me. And Jerry Jones, this is what he's comfortable with. This is the world he lives in. Jason Garrett has grown used to it. Uh, he's now in his eighth year as the head coach of the Cowboys. He always seems to be on the hot seat, and he always seems to get himself off the hot seat. Uh, there's something about this team that they respond under dire circumstances, and they've done it again. Yeah, interesting. Hey, you mentioned, uh, Ian, that you thought that Drew Brees was the front runner here uh, for MVP. Obviously, there's a lot of folks that listen to this podcast will agree with you. <laughs> they bleed black and gold. Um, but there's a compelling argument on a number of different fronts. For you that covers it nationally for CBS and for Westwood One, uh, what, what is the criteria in your eyes that these candidates have to be judged by? What separates them if, if, if you're to cast a ballot? Yeah, MVP is such a, a funny award in that it encompasses so many things. Of course, it's your individual production. Uh, that's first and foremost. And then there's that added layer of the team and the success. There have probably been years where there are players that put up better numbers but didn't win the MVP award because their team was a cut below. Unless you do something that's just never been done before, to me the MVP should be set aside for those that are performing at the highest level and doing it on the biggest stage every week, the most important games, because you put your team in that position to do it. Patrick Mahomes is right there. And I think under a normal season, he's probably the runaway winner. But there are other variables in play here with Drew Brees, and there's a human quality to this. The fact that Brees has never won it before is going to get tossed in the equation. It's just the way it is. Uh, if you did a blind test, and you just looked at their individual seasons, and you looked at the team record, I think a bunch of people would probably just vote Mahomes because it's, it's, been, it's been awe-inspiring what he's done. But because it's Breeze, because it's year 18 for him in the league, because he's never won it before, I do think there will be a sentimental vote that, that creeps into this equation. Wow. Um. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that, and I, I don't want it to be a sentimental thing. I want it to be truly earned, but it is a human thing, isn't it? Yep, yep, it is. Speaking of human things, um, it's been human for us to realize that Thursday nights have not been what the NFL had envisioned up until, it seems, 
this year. Um, you're going to have a great one in Dallas between two division leaders. It sure seems like I, and on the surface here, the Thursday night package has been better this year. Is, is that just me glancing off of something, or is there something more to this? Yeah, the games have been fairly compelling. I've been doing this package for so many years now, and it used to be an abbreviated package, just the second half of the season where they would incorporate seven or eight Thursday night games, and that probably was the better way to go. As college football was winding down, that additional day and night of NFL experience seemed to fill the appetite of, of football fans everywhere. They expanded it because the money was there, and so was the desire, and so was the network interest. And apparently, uh, it's not going to go away because of all those things I just mentioned, and financially, it's been a, a booming success. I understand from a player's point of view how difficult it is to turn around just physically on your body. And you've just been through what most would describe as a head-on collision on a Sunday afternoon or a Sunday evening or a Monday, and now you've got to ask your guys to get better quicker. Uh, there have been a bunch of players that have missed these games because they just couldn't bounce back for Thursday. But if it was a Sunday game, they would have been in there. It's not going to change. Uh, the level of play has left something to be desired in previous years. I think this year, just good fortune, uh, the cyclical nature of it, it's been a little bit better. Has it been great? Has it been a home run every week? No, it hasn't. And it's impossible to schedule these things correctly. You're speculating on divisional matchups during the offseason that could play a role in the postseason or could be competitive. You know, the one thing I would advise the NFL moving forward, uh, take the better team, at least who you deem to be the better team, and make them the road team on these Thursday games. Uh, you're, you're really stacking the deck against certain teams if uh, they have to hit the road on a Thursday night on a quick turnaround and go against one of the upper, upper echelon squads. Part of me would say, hey, it shouldn't matter. But it's just being smart, it's being prudent, and it's being a little bit more alert and aware of schedule making and how to best create good matchups, compelling matchups moving forward. Insightful stuff there. You're the first I've heard bring that up. I like that idea. I, I've kept you too long. Um, one last question. You may already have your, your schedule the rest of the way. Is there still a team out there that you really would like to see in person, that you, whether it be call the game or, or, or what, but... Um, is there somebody down the stretch here that you, you'd like to have the chance to see in person? Yeah, I've seen all the big ones so far. Uh, AFC, uh, I've seen Kansas City, I've seen the Chargers, I've seen the Patriots, I've seen the Steelers, I've seen the Texans. NFC, I've seen the Rams, I've seen the Saints up close. Last time I saw them was a preseason game in Los Angeles against the Chargers. And even then, I just felt like, boy, this, this has a chance to be a really special season for these guys. Uh, beyond that, I think there's a pretty big drop-off in the NFC. You've got a bunch of good teams, but not at the level of L.A. and New Orleans. Carolina, I saw, they did not play well in Pittsburgh, and that was basically the beginning of this tailspin that they've hit. In recent weeks, I saw Chicago. They lost to New England at home in a game that I did with Dan Fouts on CBS. Uh, they came within a yard on a Hail Mary of tying that game and 
and that would have been a, a completely miraculous ending for them to, to do that and force overtime. Uh, very impressed with Chicago. And if you're asking me if there's a team I'd like to see again in person, it's probably the Bears. That's the one team in the NFC that if they just get hot defensively, you get the right matchup in the postseason. That's not a team that, that I'd like to see. I'd rather avoid the Bears if possible. Mm, good take. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, I'll hit you up on college basketball another time. How many how many sports currently are you broadcasting now? Let's make sure I get this right. Uh, let's see. It's NBA. Yep. It's uh, NFL. It's women's field hockey on the side. That's it. Just those. Fair enough. Syracuse, you happy with their season or no? Oh, fantastic. You know, Babers did a tremendous job. I think there's going to be a lot of overtures out there from bigger schools. As I guess you will do everything in their power to keep them and pay them. But he may have bigger fish to fry in, in his mind. So we'll see if it's this time around or if he sticks it out for another couple of years with Syracuse. He's a, a really affable, smart uh, football guy who uh, will certainly appeal to a number of, of ADs out there because he can, he can shake hands with boosters, he can recruit, and he can legitimately coach. He's been really impressive in his short tenure with Syracuse. But, yeah, great, great football season basketball-wise. They're, they're trying to figure it out right now. Yeah, I, I, knew I'd, I knew I'd have to throw one up there for you to smash a Syracuse question like that. <laughs> it's, sometimes I do wonder, Ian, are, are there more Syracuse broadcasters covering the NFL, working the NFL, or are there more Syracuse football players in the NFL? Uh, that would be tight. I would say the <laughs> former. We're, we're like rabbits. John, you just keep multiplying. You're at the head of that class, my friend, and uh, and you're always a favorite with us. Thank you, sir. I hope that you enjoy the football game on uh, Thursday night. I think it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, really looking forward to it. It's it's one of those where you circle the calendar and you say, yeah, I'm I'm curious how how this one shakes out. I know what New Orleans is all about. Yep. I think it's really more to find out if Dallas is legit or if they're just going to try to limp to the finish line as an NFC East champion that's a cut below the other division champions in the NFC. As they say, stay tuned. Um, Ian, as always, thank you so much. It was an honor and a pleasure. All right, bud. We'll talk soon, man. All right, so there you have it. Another great visit with Ian Eagle. Uh, most of you, of course, will consume the, uh, the Saints-Cowboys game either uh, on television or via the Saints radio network. But we have so many people that listen to this podcast nationally uh, they will most likely hear the voice of Ian Eagle if they're catching it on radio. Again, the national broadcast on Westwood One and all of their affiliates across the country. So thanks again to Ian Eagle. Great stuff today. Daniel's already switched me over to the other machine, referencing the beginning of our podcast. See, Daniel doesn't realize that my career started with reel-to-reel machines, razor blade, grease pencil. That's how you splice it all together. Now he just taps the space bar. How hard can that be? I say that, but I don't know how to do it, so he's laughing again. I got him laughing at the start and at the end. That's a great podcast. Hey, enjoy the football this weekend, everybody, starting with the uh, this marquee game on Thursday night between the Saints and the Cowboys. We'll look for you as well, Daniel and myself, on the Pelicans Radio Network uh, versus the Wizards on this Wednesday and then over the weekend, Miami, and then at Charlotte on Sunday. So hopefully for a good weekend for all involved. Uh, You as well. Happy holidays. We're into that season. 
And uh, next week when we talk to you, I think we'll already be uh, at Hanukkah time. So we'll, uh, we'll maybe throw a little Hanukkah flavor in there as well. And see, Daniel, again, please, I've made my man very happy today. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. I'm Sean Kelly.